Okay, in 1996, uh, when I was engaged to my wife, um, I had a friend who was younger than me in Topeka, Kansas, that, that saw my wife at one point and uh, quietly later said, um, I don't know how a guy like you gets a girl like that. <laughs> and I don't think that was kind to me, um, but it was true. And um, yeah, so, so in my point is that a picture is different than a person, right? Like now we've been married for 25 years and she's my favorite human being on the planet. Um, I adore her. I love her so much more today than I did then. Um, and, and then uh, she was living in Ohio. I was living in Kansas. Um, I couldn't stand that separation, right? But I had a picture. Um, a person is greater than a picture, but a picture points to a person right? So tonight, we're going to look at a picture in the Word of God that points us. I love how good of a communicator the biblical God is. We're going to look at a picture that points us to how it is that God saves. We just heard an awesome testimony from our brother about about the satisfaction that you can find in Christ and in Christ alone. Um, Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me by far, like I hit the lottery when I came to know Christ, and Christ is offered to every one of us tonight. Um, it is such good news. God desires that none should perish, but that all come to repentance. So yeah, let's look at the picture. If you have a Bible in front of you, um, go to Exodus chapter 12, and we are going to look at the picture of the Passover. If you don't happen to have a Bible, that's no problem. Um, I'm happy to read these verses for us tonight. So Exodus chapter 12, and we will start in verse number 3. Exodus 12.3 says this, Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Let's pray. Father, we just want to commit this time to you. Uh, you are a good God. You are a loving God. You are a holy God. Uh, you're not the kind of God that, that um, is maybe what we think of as kind sometimes, that you're the kind of God that loves us enough that you would tell us the truth tonight about eternal destinations like heaven and hell, about your plan of salvation, how it is that, that God saves, uh, the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through him. Father, we just want to pause here, and in the name of Jesus Christ, we ask that you would make your gospel message, your good news, that you would make it abundantly clear, and that it would go out from your word tonight with Holy Spirit life-changing power. Father, you know everybody around this circle that has already received Christ. You know the joy that that brings, the satisfaction that that brings. Lord, nobody loves the people here the way that you do. 
Nobody longs for the people here to be saved as much as you do. And so we commit our meeting to you tonight. We certainly thank you for this. Lord, this could be the greatest night of someone's life. Like how much, how much greater a thing could we talk about tonight? And so we commit our meeting to you joyfully. In the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, amen. So we read a few verses there about the, the institution of the, the Passover. Um, this is, of course, is the 10th is the plague. Um, if you happen to be here this morning, uh, plagues 1 through 9 show God's holiness, God's judgment, God's victory, God's jealousness, um, in that he won't compete with another God or share with another God. Now, in, in plague number 10, which is the, the death of the firstborn, we're going to see redemption, mercy, deliverance, the faithfulness of God. Um, yeah. Yeah, a lamb is brought into the house. It says, let each family, let every man take for himself a lamb. The New Testament um, in John chapter 1 verse 29 says of Jesus Christ, it says, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And so the New Testament specifically, like what the Old Testament does in picture form, the New Testament just says straight out. Like the, the lamb that we're going to talk about in this picture is Jesus Christ the Lord, right? And so behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. So again, the New Testament makes it super clear that these pictures point to Christ. So I have five things I want to notice in this Passover story tonight. Number one um, of these five things is that the lamb has to be without blemish. That's in verse number five. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. So in other words, it has to be a perfect lamb. Jesus Christ had to be perfect. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, separation from God. And so if someone wasn't perfect, then they would have to die and pay the price for their own sin. Jesus Christ was perfect, is perfect, therefore he could die for our sins. Is that good news? Yeah, praise God. And so here the picture, like the, one of the first things it says in the picture is that, is that um, the lamb must be without blemish. So the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, my Bible's blowing around here, just one second. There we go. Yes, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It says, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Again, Talking in, in, like in New Testament, it just says it straightforward. In the Old Testament, it says the lamb has to be perfect, right? That's the picture. And then in the New Testament, it says, He who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. So a perfect Savior was made sin for us. In other words, our sin was put upon him, and he was going to be our substitute. Um, Peter said of Jesus Christ that he was a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, if we read this whole story, um, which is a little bit extensive, but if we read the whole thing, 
we would notice that from day 10 to day 14, they were supposed to observe the lamb. You watch the lamb to make sure that it's perfect. Like it must be a lamb without blemish. And so you watch it. It comes into the house. You spend time with it. You observe it. You watch it. And we see the same thing in Jesus Christ's life in in the Gospels. For 30 years before his public ministry, he lived. He worked with his father. People could observe him. And then in Luke chapter 4, he declares his public ministry. And for three years, uh, Israel as a whole could watch Jesus Christ and and look for any fault, look for any error in his message. Um, Yeah, even his enemies uh, would say things like, I find no fault in this man. Like if anyone recognizes the name Pilate, right? The man that turned Jesus Christ over to be crucified said, I find no fault in him. The man who betrayed Jesus Christ, his name was Judas. um, He said, I betrayed innocent blood. Right, so even the one who betrayed Christ declared his innocence, his perfection, his moral perfection. The one who turned him over to be crucified said, I can't find one thing wrong with this person. So in the same way that we see in the picture, it must be perfect, we see in Jesus Christ that he was a perfect Savior. Yeah, praise God for the perfect Savior in Jesus Christ. Okay, second thing I want you to see in the picture is in verse number 6. So Exodus 12 and verse 6. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. So the second point tonight that we want to observe is killing the innocent lamb. Killing the innocent lamb. So they would take this little lamb, they would bring it into the house, they would spend time with it, they would observe it, they would make sure, ensure that it's a spotless lamb, and then, and then on the proper day, they would take it and they would kill the lamb. They would catch the blood of, of the lamb. Yeah, amazing. Um, it wasn't killed by accident. Like, accidents are sad enough, right? But this was intentional. You intentionally would end the lamb's life. The whole assembly was to be involved in it. And so some would carry out the killing of the lamb, but all would agree with the killing of the lamb. And so they were all attributed the same thing. In Acts 2.36, it says, Jesus, whom you crucified. Again, same thing in the New Testament. The people as a whole, like some carried it out, but all were attributed Uh, The Jew and Gentile agreed together that Jesus Christ should not rule over them. There were no bones broken in the lamb, and there were no bones broken, John chapter 19, in in Jesus Christ. Now, I use the term um, substitute. Uh, That can be kind of a fancy theological term. And that's what we're seeing here, is that a lamb is going to die as a substitute so that the people don't die. Um, substitute is what Jesus Christ is. He died for us. So when I was a little boy, my mom would hand me um, a few dollars. A few dollars went a bit further back then than it does now. And she would hand me a little bit of money and she would say, run down to the store. It was just a couple blocks away, a tiny little community. I think there were like 13,000 people there. And But I would just run down the street to this little uh, Briscoe drug store. And she would say, come back with a can of corn. 
right? And so I would run down, I'd get the corn, I'd go to the cashier, I'd hand the money to the cashier, get the change, go running back home and take it into my mother. Now here's a tremendously deep theological question. Are you ready? Why did my mom send me to the store? What's that? That's a good answer. That's a good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She sent me so that she didn't have to go, right? Right, I went to the store so she didn't have to go to the store. And so let's ask the question tonight. Like in the picture, why is the lamb dying? Now I know we haven't even read it yet. We're going to get there. But the lamb is dying so that a person doesn't have to die. It dies in your place, right? Substitute. Yeah, same as the teacher, of course. The regular teacher is gone, and so you have a substitute. That one comes instead of this one. And it's the same exact theological concept. Um, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he died as our substitute. The story is told of a missionary that was reading through this story with his family And uh, right in the middle of the story, he read this verse. Now you shall keep the lamb until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it. And then his little girl, the littlest one in the family, she said, no, daddy. Right. And everyone was kind of surprised by her. And he he kind of looked at her and, and he said, what, sweetheart? And she said, no. And then and then he said, what do you mean? She said, a wolf. And he said, what do you mean? She was like, a wolf. It can't be a lamb. And he's like, no, it was a lamb. She was like, a bear. Right? Right? No, he said, no, it's, it's a lamb. It says it right there. She was like, a snake. Right? She was trying to think of anything mean, anything with teeth. Right? Anything in her little mind that might deserve that kind of a fate. Right? She was trying to wrap her innocent little mind around the fact that this little lamb, it's a picture of innocence for us, right? Jesus Christ is the innocent one of the heavens, right? So this picture, boy, what a perfect picture of a a Savior that has never sinned, a perfectly innocent Savior, right? This cute little lamb. Maybe you've seen a little lamb from sheep. Maybe you've seen a little lamb from goats. They're adorable, You bring it into the house, you observe it for 14 days, and then you sacrifice it. Why? Because somebody's going to die. It's either going to be the person that dies, right, the firstborn in this case, or it's going to be the lamb, either a person or a substitute. God is doing his, his, he's doing an amazing job of communicating like his mind on this subject of salvation. How is it? That a person must be saved. Well, they must have a substitute. Yeah, so the second thing to notice, killing the innocent lamb. Uh, Third thing to notice, the application of the blood. Let's read it, verse number 7. And they shall take some of the blood, so this is the blood from the lamb, and put it on the two posts of the door and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Then they shall eat the flesh that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So applying the blood. Now we should ask the question tonight, like if we're trying to learn from God's word, we should ask the question, why? 
And God clearly answers this question. Like, why would you have an innocent little lamb die? Why would you catch its blood in a basin and apply the blood to the doorposts and the lintel of the house? Why? Well, it, it answers it right here. Verse number 12. This is what God says. I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night. I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So here again, we get this word substitute, right? God is providing a substitute. In other words, judgment is coming on the land. You are in imminent danger of the judgment of God. That's the message. Death is coming. That's the message. Like, that's the picture. And so either the innocent lamb dies and the blood is applied to the doorposts and the lintel, like either that death happens and there's application of that blood or that judgment from God will affect your household. That's, that's his picture. So let's think this through. Um, only the application of that blood brought salvation. The New Testament, it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So, so either we will be punished for our sin and suffer for all eternity in separation from God in a place called hell, the lake of fire, or we will accept God's free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ, that God poured out that wrath on Jesus Christ on the cross and that he was punished for our sin. Boy, what a good, what a good picture. It didn't matter if you locked the door. You could lock the door, you could reinforce the door. You could bar the door. You could leave the house, right? You could, you could be creative in any way you wanted, but it wouldn't bring salvation. Because God had prescribed. It was only the blood on the doorpost and the lintel. And he says, when I see that, I'll pass over and death won't, the, the judgment of God, it won't affect you. Our, our brother, um, he shared with us before I came up uh, that his parents, I'm sure very lovingly, uh, saw him struggling with this concept of death. And so what was their suggestion? I'm sure very lovingly, right? Let's help our son. Don't read about death anymore. I mean, I'm, I'm confident that that would be a loving act from parents. And yet it didn't solve the issue, did it? Yeah, God's way. Right, Jesus Christ ended up ultimately solving the issue. Yeah, not, not locking the door. You could plead ignorance. Like you can imagine some Egyptian saying, I'm not a Hebrew. Like what do I care about the Hebrew God? I'm not that interested in religion. Like what does this have to do with me? But that didn't save them from God's judgment. Right, pleading ignorance didn't save them from God's judgment. Some firstborn... Um, in the land of Egypt, were saved that night because of the application of that substitutionary blood. Some firstborn 
in the land of Egypt, in fact, many, many in the land of Egypt, died that night because they would not accept God's substitute. God's free gift of salvation. The picture is the Lamb. The person is Jesus Christ. Uh, Some great sinners died that night. Some great sinners were saved that night because the, the blood of that substitute was applied. Some very small sinners, like men, not everybody sins the same. Not everybody makes the same life choices. Some smaller sinners died that night. Some smaller sinners were saved that night. Some didn't like the idea of blood. Uh, Some admired the lamb. But it wasn't admiring the lamb that brought salvation. It's the application of the blood. So the Lord, his picture makes it super, super clear. My nephew, um, I'm sure, is here somewhere. Where's Christian? Yeah. Christian's mom is my little sister. Um, When we were little kids, remember when I would run to the store? Um, When we were little kids, um, her best friend was named Rhonda. She lived right around the corner from us. And um, I remember... Annie going over there and playing. I remember Rhonda coming to our house and playing. Um, Right before when I was in seventh grade, my family moved to Topeka, Kansas. But Annie always stayed in touch with Rhonda. Yeah, a number of years back, I mean, probably 10, 12, uh, 14 years. I don't know how many now. But a number of years back, uh, we went and we spent two weeks back in Ottawa, Kansas, reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my sister, Christian's mom, um, said, would you please go and find Rhonda. And I was so happy to do that. Like I remember this cute little <laughs> this cute little kid. And of course now we're all adults. And so I looked her up. I said, hey, you find me the address. Wherever she lives in Ottawa, Kansas, I'll go find her. And um, so Annie gave me the address and off I went. I knocked on the door the first time. Nobody was home. I went back the next day, knocked on the door. And, and to my delight, she came to the door. Man, I begged her to come to the gospel meeting. We had gospel meetings every night. We rented the biggest auditorium in Ottawa, Kansas. It seated 850 people. Yeah, Ottawa Municipal Auditorium. Man, we wanted salvation to come to that city. I begged her to come, and she just said, I, I can't. And so I was like, okay, yeah, no pressure. I went back the next day, um, begged her to come. I said, I'll come by and get you. Um, we'll come by and get you and take you to buy you supper. We'll take your husband you know, whatever would make it work, like, please come. And she said, oh, I can't. You know, she never came to those meetings. And if I'm remembering right, two weeks later, um, she was dead. Yeah, she was gone. Four years younger than me. I'm guessing probably in her 30s or 20s at that point. I don't even know. I mean, I think I probably knew at one point, but I don't even remember what it was that took her life. The only thing that brings salvation according to God's picture and God's truth that he states in his word is the application of the blood of a substitute. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Fourth thing that I want you to notice tonight is um, chapter 12 and verse number 8. It says, Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire. This is the flesh of the lamb the meat of the lamb, 
with unleavened bread, with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, with its head, its legs, and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. Thus you shall eat it, with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. Against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So our picture, of course, is called Passover, right? And that's where where the name comes from. When God sees the blood of a sacrificial substitute, Then he passes over his judgment. Instead of falling on those people, it passes over those people. So the fourth thing to notice is feasting on the lamb. This is so striking. Uh, This was a brutal night of the judgment of God in the land of Egypt. So Egypt historically in this world that we live in, they have ruled the world for more years than any other earthly kingdom. Egypt ruled the world for 3,000 years. They were the wealthiest, most powerful country in the world at this point. And yet God's judgment was going to fall on, on them for their sin. It's such a striking thing. So all over Egypt, this would just be like us picturing all over the United States of America, right? All over Egypt, you have the judgment of God falling. And then all around God's chosen people and anyone else that would take his gift, right? All around, they were feasting on the lamb. So in Egypt, they're dying. In Israel, they're dining. It's amazing. One is experiencing the judgment of God. The other, the joy in the salvation of God. So the lamb saves, right? That's the picture. The lamb saves. Again, John 1.29, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Now let me read for us um, a couple more verses. The Lord Jesus from his own lips makes this super clear. John chapter 6 and verse number 53. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, right, same kind of a picture. They ate the flesh of the, the picture, the lamb. He's saying, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. So the lamb saves, right? By partaking in the lamb, by receiving the lamb, we find we get salvation. The lamb also satisfies Um, A couple chapters earlier in John chapter 4, it says, uh, Jesus Christ says to the Samaritan woman, I will give you living water and you will never thirst again. So the lamb saves, the lamb satisfies. We heard our brother share about that tonight, the satisfaction that he's found in Christ. And let me share, this is my favorite gospel verse in all the word of God because it's so clear. In John chapter 1, in verse number 12, this goes so nicely with our picture of the Passover. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, 
to those who believe in his name. So in the picture, right, what brought, what brought salvation instead of death? Receiving the lamb and applying, applying the blood personally. In the New Testament, what brings salvation? Receiving the lamb, right? As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God, to those that believe in his name. Yeah, so the lamb saves, the lamb satisfies. Okay, one more point from Exodus for tonight. Um, Let's read, um, well, yeah, just look, if you would, at chapter 12 and verse number 31. I don't think we'll read the whole thing tonight. Um, But notice that right after the Passover, what happens is God's children that were slaves are now set free. And so point five tonight that we want to notice is walking in newfound freedom. This was approximately, like this was somewhere around two million people that that came out. Isn't that astounding? Two million people that were slaves that have now been set free. This isn't two million people, but this circle is an awful lot of people that were slaves and have now been set free. Amen? Yeah, and so I'll just say it again, and I'm saying the same thing that our brother said earlier. Boy, Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I can't imagine life without him. I was saved at five years old. I understood my sin. I understood that Jesus Christ could come back any time at the rapture. I understood the doctrine of hell. Like I had been taught these things. I started attending church nine months before I was born with my mother and then continued on faithfully after that. Like I understood these things. I knew my sin. I was a liar. I was stubborn. Right? I could go into all of it. But I went to my dad and said, I know that I need to be saved. And we sat down on the concrete steps of our home in Ottawa, Kansas. And he led me through exactly the story that we're looking at tonight. And I received Jesus Christ as a five-year-old. It's amazing that God is so loving that he put together a a salvation package that a five-year-old could understand. I'm super thankful for that. Because that's when I received Jesus Christ. I wonder if maybe any of you are willing to receive Jesus Christ tonight. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become sons of God, to those that believe on his name. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Life happens, right, when you accept the substitute and apply the blood, right? Accept the sacrifice. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So they walked out of slavery into newfound freedom And let's end with this. This is a good message for every single one of us tonight around this circle. In chapter 13, it says this, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. So, in the story of the Passover, If there was the application of the blood of a substitute, then the firstborn lived. Without taking God's way of salvation, the firstborn died. And now he's saying, the firstborn belongs to me. If the firstborn is going on living, I love this, the firstborn needs to be consecrated. So for every one of us, every one of us that have life tonight, 
boy, we can be reminded by the word of God, if God, if I have life because of God's incredible gift of salvation in Christ, I must be consecrated to him. Yeah, if Christ is God and gave his life for me, what other choice do I have but to give my life fully for him? So, a lamb without blemish, killing the innocent lamb, applying the blood, feasting on the lamb, new, walking in newfound freedom, and walking in consecration. Um, yeah, will you receive Christ? What will you do with Christ tonight? Let's pray. Father, thank you for every precious eternal soul around this circle tonight. They are so loved by you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father, your word is full of pictures. It's full of of the writings of a really smart God who loves us and wants us to understand your way of salvation. So we pray for clarity. Uh, Your word says that the God of this world, that Satan blinds people's eyes. We pray that you would thwart his purposes tonight and that you would open people's eyes around this circle. Father, for every person here that has been set free by grace through faith, we pray that, that you would cause us to rejoice that our names are written in heaven tonight and that we would have an appropriate thanksgiving and appropriate joy. Father, thank you for the testimony of our brother that found exactly what Jesus Christ said in John chapter 4. If you take what I'm trying to give you, you will never thirst again. You will never look back to the slavery of sin and want to go back to that place. You will find such a satisfaction in my son. So we pray tonight uh, that you would uh, work among us and we just want to say thank you. Yeah, how good are you? How kind are you? Um, Yeah, thank you for Jesus Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen.